With daily interactions with magazines, movies, and media, pop culture has power. As we navigate the world around us and interact with everyday living, the question I'm asking today is, how should followers of Jesus engage with culture? It's about time, because we're going there. Welcome to We're Going There. I'm your host, Bianca Guadis Oltoff, and I have to confess, I love me some pop culture. While many Christians want to shy away from media, I want to jump in and have a conversation about it. Why? Well, call me crazy, but I believe that everything, including culture, is covered by God's control and love, otherwise known as this word sovereignty. In fact, the psalmist in Psalm 24, 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything. So everything is covered by God's sovereignty. And my God, Jesus was all about redemption. I mean, think about it. Think about it. The sinful woman caught in adultery, the scandalous woman at the well, Peter denying Jesus. Yeah, my God can take broken things and make something absolutely beautiful. And if that statement is true, then we must believe that believers and unbelievers are capable of creating beautiful things, including things like movies, TV shows, music, and more. This matters because the guest on today's show was far and away one of my favorite stars from the ABC's juggernaut and empire, The Bachelor. But before we discuss the power of pop culture and have a conversation with Maddie Pruitt, here's a word from our sponsors. I want to give a quick shout out to our Simply Earth Essential Oil partners. They make this podcast happen and they have taught me how to make my house just one step closer to being toxin free because of the recipes that they provide in their Simply Earth Essential Oil recipe box. If you're anything like me, you probably have several unused mounting essential oils that you tried to be hippy dippy and make great toxin free cleansing agents, but it kind of piled up because you don't know what to do. No worries. The Simply Earth Essential Oil Recipe Box helps you gain confidence and clarity in using essential oils to help make your home toxin-free. Here's how it works. One, receive a recipe box with four pure essential oils, six recipe cards, and extras. Two, learn how to use your essential oils while making your recipes created by certified aromatherapists. And three, save money and detoxify your life. Using essential oils to support your wellness doesn't have to be overwhelming. Have fun making your home toxin-free with Simply Earth Essential Oils Recipe Box. Plus, you get a free 80 milliliter diffuser when you subscribe using our URL, simplyearth.com backslash we're going there. Before we dive into the interview, I think it's important that we have a little discussion about pop culture. Cultural analyst and brilliant thinker Francis Schaeffer once wrote that the secular philosophies of intellectuals filter down to the general population through the arts, becoming what we call popular culture. And then it's filtered and disseminated through things like movies, best-selling novels, top 40 music, highly rated TV shows, the visual arts, and social media. But what is pop culture and where did it begin? Popular culture is just that, popular. It's for the public, the masses. It actually originated with everyday folk who perhaps could not afford the quote-unquote finer things of high society or culture, but still found meaning and solidarity through low culture, and so, well, what's low culture? That would be far and away the opposite of things like the opera house, the theater, private clubs, or elite society. So in a world full of religious divisions and political partisanship, where people have a hard time communicating different beliefs or language or thought, popular culture has been the means by which people find connections and have conversations on topics, even hard topics, that don't lead to some of the bitter acrimony as, let's say, religion or politics would. And this is why I love pop culture. For me, culture is the bridge that can bond me and allow me to relate to people who think differently, act differently, or even believe differently. 
As we allow our faith to motivate us to navigate in the world, how should we as Christians engage with pop culture? I'm so glad you asked. Here's a couple learning lessons I've learned over 15 years of studying pop culture and how we can engage in culture. First, we can engage with curiosity. Because culture is included under God's creation and control, we should approach pop culture with an optimistic curiosity. Whether I'm watching a movie, reading a book, or analyzing art, I tend to ask myself some analytical questions, some curious questions, if you will. By looking at this piece of art, let's say a magazine, a movie, a photograph, can I somehow see the gospel in some way, shape, or fashion? Question number two, does this piece of art show evidence that good news needs to be shown? And lastly, does this piece of art contradict my understanding of the way that I view the world through the lens of loving Jesus? These questions allow us to consider a piece of art or pop culture in its own terms and then ask how it might sit alongside our faith. We can appreciate the parts that resonate with our faith while learning more about the world and our shared humanity. We can also notice how the good news of the gospel rises to respond to the jacked up patterns of thought, view, belief, with pieces that are not aligned with what we know about our faith through God's word. So the first way that we can engage in culture is through curiosity. The second way we can engage in culture is through grace. Culture helps us understand what people are thinking and even what they believe. We could see and hear and learn belief through music, movies, media, and even mass marketing. I love what Paul says in Colossians 4, 5, and 6. He says, live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Just as all of our conversations should be seasoned with love, our discourse around pop culture should offer grace and space for those with differing opinions or beliefs. To say it plainly, we can't expect a non-Christian piece of art, or even, dare I say, a non-Christian, to agree or align with all of our Christian values. But we can look for ways that God's truth and beauty might be present in unlikely places. Lastly, and most importantly, my favorite is we can engage with culture through discernment. Discernment is the ability to distinguish between good and evil. Discernment also involves making wise choices. As we face the trials of living in a culture that is increasingly anti-biblical teaching, we should ask God to give us wisdom, as James 1.5 tells us. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10.23. He says, yeah, man, I have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. In this verse, Paul touches on something crucial to our Christian lives. The Bible doesn't say, don't watch non-Christian movies or don't listen to non-Christian artists, nor does it give us like a checklist of what TV shows are acceptable for Christians or detail how many hours Christians should spend on social media or video games. However, the Bible does tell us that God has given us a spirit of wisdom and discernment. Every Christian informed by God's word should make their own decision prayerfully considering things in light of scripture on pieces of pop culture that they're ingesting and asking themselves, hey, is this beneficial for me? Is this constructive for me? Does this help me? Does this tempt me? Does this trip me up? And just as we should be gracious towards non-believers, we should extend the same grace to our brothers and sisters in Christ who may have different boundaries than we do. As we dive into this interview with Bachelor star Madison Pruitt, I want us to avoid two undesirable extremes. What philosopher Brian Godawa describes as cultural anorexia or cultural gluttony. Cultural anorexia is avoiding culture altogether. On the other hand, cultural gluttony ignores how pop culture affects us for good or for bad and takes it all indiscriminately, consuming everything in front of us. The third alternative that I believe Christians can hold on to in engaging with culture is interacting redemptively with non-Christians by understanding the good things in popular culture and using those things as a bridge to God's truth. 
Again, Paul models for us how to engage in culture when he spoke before the religious and civil leaders in Athens. If you want more information about this, check this out in Acts 17. Here we see Paul as a student of his culture. He didn't try to isolate himself and stick his head in the sand. Oh, I shall not be around culture because I don't want them to tempt me. No, he studied the religious worldviews of that day, even as scripture says, carefully studying their idols. In his speech before the Athenian leaders, he quoted from their own pagan poets and philosophers, apparently from memory. I love me some Paul. He discerned what was true in their pagan worldview and used it as a starting point to present what they had been missing concerning God's true nature, man's true nature, and God's redemptive plan through Jesus. He did that all while engaging in culture. Based on a biblical worldview, if our culture is tasteless and wicked, it's because Christians are not doing our job. We cannot point fingers and blame non-Christians if our society is deteriorating. Non-Christians are simply living according to the way that they view life. Therefore, those of us who understand the truth, we must live it out on every level of society, from the boardroom to the classroom to the courtroom, yes, even to the stage. There's no area of society that is outside of God's concern. Cultural discernment and engagement are part of our Christian calling. As you consider how you can meaningfully engage with pop culture, I want you to remember to do it with curiosity, do it with grace, and do it with discernment. Pray that God will give us, as believers, salt to this tasteless and dying world. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Paul says in Philippians 4, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, and whatever is admirable, think about these things. Because that's why I want us to engage in culture. In this interview with Maddie Pruitt, I hope that you enjoy our conversation because I believe that she had an ability to pop into culture, have some meaningful dialogue, and she really, really represented Christ well. In fact, when I did this interview, I didn't know her that well, but I got a chance to spend a couple days with her. And let me tell you something, y'all, she is the real deal. Like she passionately loves the Lord and she is unabashedly sharing it. I hope you enjoy the interview. Maddie, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Okay, so here's a little bit of a God, a hand to heaven, God's honest truth. I have always said this about The Bachelor. I would watch this and people used to be like, why do you watch that show? You're a Christian. You're a Bible teacher. You want to know something? I always said it's the Esther story, y'all. Like, get with it. It is a modern day Esther story. Come on. Come on, girl. And then, and then. I get to have a conversation with you. I read your book and I'm like, oh my gosh, she literally paralleled this exact story. So, okay. So before we're going to back this train way up, I have a ton of questions and we're going to go until we run out of time. But uh, first, let me just say, congratulations as somebody who loves books and writes books and reads books. When you write a book, it's like birthing a baby. It's crazy. I was fully not prepared for all that comes with it, but no, I, I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned a lot about God and (laughs) I have lost a lot of sleep, but it has been, it has been quite the journey. People don't get it, but like, okay, so I've never had any biological children, but this is what I imagine. Like you sit with it for like nine, 10 months and you're so eager and you're so excited. And then you find it finally pops out and you're like, dang, I really hope this kid is cute. If not, can we put a big bow on its head and like really just pray that everyone thinks it's pretty. So congratulations on your new book. Literally, literally. I am oh, so excited for you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So let's talk a little before we jump into the book. I just feel like that is a microcosm of like who you are and what you're about. So we will get to that. But I want to talk to, I want to talk to Maddie. Before there was the bachelor, there was the Bible. Okay. So girl, mm-hmm. I did my research. 
you finished seminary, you were looking for a sanctuary and the Lord brought you to some celebrity. Okay. I'm just like a rapper behind the scenes over here. Okay. That's what I'm picking up. I'm like, okay, so when's our next album dropping? Like, okay, girl. I'm Come here on. for it. I'm here for it. Okay. So but this is honestly, honestly, I watched, I watched your season. I did not know the seminary component. So like love bachelor, but you know what I'm really interested in Ron? your seminary journey. So you are a baller and you played <laughs> basketball, you play basketball in high school and college. We'll talk about that in a minute, but like, I'm super interested in, in the seminary component. Where did that come from and why? So I remember when I was in college and I had this moment and this is like a huge part of my testimony, but I had this moment when I just was like, who am I? What on earth am I doing here? You know, kind of like those moments you have where you're like, seriously, like what's going on in my life? Who am I? It was one of those moments. I went to high school in the Auburn area and then went to Auburn university. And during that time, I watched so many of like my high school friends that I had known for so long come into college. And I just watched them completely change. They totally started going down different paths changing who they were. And I just remember being so discouraged and just shocked and disappointed. And I was like, man, so what am I going to do? Like, who am I going to be? And I started asking myself those really tough questions. I started presenting myself with some serious scenarios that I knew I was probably going to be presented with. And I really, in that moment, you know, went all in with Jesus and made it and made a decision. Like whatever I do with my life, I know I want to live for Jesus and I want to add value to people. And so I knew that then and there. And from that moment, I started getting plugged into my church, our small group. And then I started leading the small group. Then I started leading our college ministry. And when I was doing that, this was about sophomore year of college. When I started leading a college ministry, I was like, this is what I was made to do. Like, I love this. And I just loved watching, you know, these students come in who were so hungry and then they just would, you know, they would be filled with just community and Jesus. I was like, this is so cool to be a part of this. And so I knew I wanted to be a part of ministry in some capacity. I just didn't know what it was, what it was going to look like. And so at the same time, as I was getting my degree in communications at Auburn, I decided to also go through Highlands College, which is the Bible college through my church and get wait a minute, wait a minute. You go to church of the Highlands. Yeah, I went to Church of the Highlands. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the puzzle pieces are coming together. It's all coming together, right? Um, so yeah, so then I went to Highlands College the same time I was going to Auburn, graduated both in 2018, got my certificate in ministry, also got my degree in communications, had no idea what was coming, had no idea what my life was going to look like, but just knew that I was supposed to do it, knew that God was calling me to make a difference and to be in ministry, just didn't know what that was going to look like. And so I was just so obedient in that. And it's kind of crazy looking back now and how all of those things like prepared me for where I am now and how all those yeah. things really laid a solid foundation for what I'm doing today. For what you were about to step into. And I think that is a great segue into this empire. So I literally, you, you literally are proving my point about this Queen Esther narrative girl. Cause I'm about to <laughs> leave this tapestry of your life and it'll be like the part two of your story. Okay. From like the narrator's perspective. No, but so you step into this empire known as like the bachelor empire. Um, and it parallels so beautifully with the story of Queen Esther, but you were thrust into this and correct me if I'm wrong. You actually you better don't lie. Cause you know, the story of Ananias and Sapphira, they, they lied and then they died. Okay. So hand to heaven, you did not watch you had you at this point when you got chosen or invited to be one of the contestants of the bachelor, you had not seen a season of bachelor. 
I had not seen a season of The Bachelor. I had seen parts of certain episodes from when my friends would watch, but I had not seen a whole season through. I had not even watched like more than one full episode when they called me. And I honestly thought it was a prank call. Like I genuinely was like, they got the wrong Madison. Like you don't, like, I just got out of seminary. I don't think I'm the girl you're looking for. Like, I think you got the wrong Maddie because my friends had sent in my application and had applied me for the show. So I had no idea. I was so caught off guard. And through just the time of praying about it and talking to my family about it, it was something that just God made so clear that it was something I was supposed to do, which genuinely made no sense to me at all. It was so out of the box of, and and just so off the road of what I had saw, like my life headed the direction I saw it headed in. And so for me, it was so confusing. Like, God, this doesn't make any sense. Like, are you confused? Have you seen that about you? Like, I, I was like, God, I think you're confused. Like, you know, when you're trying to like give God a life lesson, we love those moments. And so I'm like having this full conversation with God, just back and forth. And just through so much prayer and just through so much time and just talking through it with my family. Like I just knew it was what I was supposed to do. And I had such a peace to do it and such a grace to step into it, but I was terrified to the bones. Okay. So then let's unpack that because there is some person out there, maybe even a little Pharisee out there that is saying, wait a minute. So you were this God fearing girl and you believe in God's sovereignty over your life. And you went to Highlands college and you love Jesus and you want to be a ministry. And then TV comes up. And if you are this woman of faith, how did you reconcile stepping into such a secular environment for the person out there that is suspect? You say you had such a peace, but I I actually want to unpack that because there's somebody out there that has an opportunity to step into culture outside of a Christian Mm -hmm. bubble. And they're fearful. They're fearful of what people said, maybe even their family have said. And so Mm -hmm. take us through that journey. I love that you asked this question a lot because that was actually one of the hardest parts of saying yes and stepping out of my comfort zone and the expectations in the box that I had placed myself in and that other people had placed me in was the fact that so many people had such negative opinions and things to say. Um, So many people questioning my faith, so many people questioning, oh, you didn't really hear from God. Like you're just making this about you. Like you're making this selfish. You just want to get famous. You just want to promote yourself. And there was a lot of just attack and just misunderstanding and just judgment during that season of my life. And it was very, very difficult. And I just remember like having multiple moments with God, like, listen, you're going to choose someone else. Like, I mean, I know I'm strong. Like I'm an eight on the Enneagram, but like, I don't think I'm strong enough for this. Like, I don't think I'm ready for like all the people to be, you know, coming against me and having something to say, like, that's just a lot to take in. And I just remember having this like eye opening moment with God one day when I was just praying through it. And I had this moment of just realizing, okay, one day I'll be faced God and I'm going to count for my life. And he's going to ask me like, okay, here's the gifts I gave you. What did you do with it? Okay. And we're going to have that conversation. We're going to talk through it. And I don't want to have to look at him and be like, listen, like you called me to do this. You gave me the opportunity to do this, but I was so afraid of what other people were going to think. So I decided not to, sorry about that. I just really didn't want to like, you know, be messy or just like really (laughs) confuse people or throw people off. And I don't want to have to have that conversation with God. Like I want him to look at my life and be like, you were obedient, whatever the cost you were willing to go, whatever the distance, because you trusted me. And because you had fear of God rather than fear of man. And because of that, I get to look at you and say, good job, my good and faithful servant. And I had to get to that place where I had to fully 
abandon even my own self and my own selfishness and pride, but also the opinion of other people. And I talk about all throughout the book, like being made for this moment is yes. Like greatness is rarely achieved in the comfort zone and in the box of what other people put you in. Greatness is achieved when you have to step out of the boat, just like Peter did when Jesus was calling him to walk on water. And I just had so many moments where I was so afraid, but I think that that's been the beautiful part of learning what true courage looks like because God honoring courage isn't just having just this crazy, like fear, fearlessness and boldness, and just, I'll do whatever I'll say, whatever it's true. God honoring courage is rooted in wisdom and in obedience and in surrender and in conviction that actually God courage, like has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with you. And if you're calling me to this, I know you're going to sustain me and you're going to defend me and you're going to protect me through it. And I don't really have to worry about all the ifs, ands, and buts. All I have to do is just say yes, (laughs) and just be obedient and trust that there's going to be blessing on the other side of that obedience. And so for me, I was just like, okay, Lord, like, all right, like, um, let's do this. Like, I'll say yes, but I, I, I need you to be with me through this. And he was. I'm interrupting the podcast to discuss about betterhelp.com. I know we speak a lot about BetterHelp on the show, but this month we're discussing some of the stigmas around mental health. For example, some people think that you should wait until things are unbearable to go to therapy, but that isn't true. Therapy is a tool to utilize before things get worse, and it could help you avoid those lows. Many people think that therapy is for quote unquote crazy people, but therapy doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It means you recognize that all humans have emotions and we need to learn how to control them, not avoid them. As someone who is an ardent supporter of therapy, I really love that betterhelp.com allows customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's so much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp Online Therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and we're going there. Listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash WGT for we're going there. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash WGT. Okay. This begs the question. So your yes, you felt like you had such great confirmation in your heart. You had a sense of peace about this. Um, I'm positive that you process your, you seem very close with your family. So I'm sure you process this with your family. And then you said yes. And then you, you're shipped off to California, you're shipped off to Hollywood. You're living in this mansion. This isn't your small group at Highlands, honey. This is like <laughs> no. the lion's den. Okay. <laughs> There's some kitty cats in there that would like to bite and claw all at the same time. So the question I'm asking now is, okay, so you are in this, if I can, and if I'm wrong, tell me, because you're an Enneagram eight, you will have no problem telling me if I'm wrong. (laughs) You almost went from like an insular environment, you know, Auburn family, church, small group to a completely different place. I'm keep on referring back to the Esther story, girl, you were exiled to Babylon. You know, you're in a whole other place. Sorry. I get way too Bible. I'm like a word nerd at heart. So I will just throw a bunch of like Jesus jokes all day. So you are literally in a completely different environment. You're living in this palace up in the Hills of Hollywood. Let's talk temptation. Let's talk about judgment. I mean, honestly, one of the things that I wrote down was this idea between comparison and competition. So you have a basketball background. So I think that this is a good piece of information that those that might not be familiar should know, but like, 
okay, I'm going to confess my trespasses amongst the brethren. Like James tells me to do, because you can look at you and see, oh my gosh, here's this little skinny mini. She's so cute. She's from the South. And they really <laughs> portrayed you as like this, like athletic, but, but kind of like this Southern belle that was like so sweet. And like, I was just like, so when they said you play basketball, I was like, she probably played in, you know, junior, junior college, junior high school or something. <laughs> and then it was the episode where you were playing basketball with Peter and girl, you made him look like a chump. Like that was so <laughs> embarrassing. I was like, dang, this girl is good. So I confess that oh I probably like most Americans viewed you as this sweet little Southern belle that like played basketball for like the city league or something, but you played collegiately. You actually have four state championships, right? In high school, I have four state championships. In high school. And then you played in college. And so you are very competitive. So now, now let's play that into like Hollywood. So it's temptation, it's competition. Dare I say it's comparison. What was that like? You're thrust into a whole new world. Yeah. So for me, one of the, the craziest parts was like you said, it was so different than what I was used to, right? Like beyond different. And, and I got tested to the core of who I was in every single way. And when you step into something like that, you're fully removed from everything that has made you, you, your whole life. You don't have your small group. You don't have your worship playlist. You don't have your sermons on, on Sunday. You don't have your mom to call. You don't have your friends. Like you don't have any of that. Wait, you so time out. On your People own. don't know that. People don't know this. So you are fully sequestered. Like talk to, talk to us people. You have no phone. You have no magazines. You have no TV. You have no internet, correct? Yeah. From what I am allowed to say, you are on your own. Okay. Yeah. You know what perfect. I'm saying? Like yes. you are, you are on your own. And like, it was one of the hardest it was one of the hardest things that I had ever had to do because, you know, I can't get opinions or I can't ask yeah. questions. I can't get prayed yeah. over. I mean, <laughs> I don't have any of that. Like it's, it's literally me and God. And even though you're alone, you don't have very much alone time. Like there's people <laughs> all around you. There's cameras in your face. You know, you, you're really pushed to your limits. And that's why I talk a lot about in this book, you know, what's inside of you when the pressure hits is what's going to come out of you. And I think that's why it was so important in the years leading up to me going on the show. Like I knew who I was, I was grounded in my faith and in my convictions. I had no problem standing up for what I believed in, in the private decisions and in the public decisions. So that when I was on display for millions of people to watch, I wasn't feeling this need to like become something I wasn't or switch the light switch on. I just was myself and I just let the spirit lead me. And so I think that that's one of the questions that I like to kind of go back to a lot of times. I had everyone reaching out to me saying, how were you able to do it? Like, how did you stand firm under pressure? How did you not give in to comparison? How did you walk in confidence? How did you stay true to yourself? And I'm like, okay, of course, God and the Holy Spirit inside of me, but we all have a role. Like we all have a responsibility and the strength that you saw on display for millions of people that, that were all seeing this, like was directly tied to that, those private decisions and battles and choices that I was making every single day that prepared me to be able to stand firm under pressure. And so I talk a lot about that in my book and I think kind of what goes hand in hand with that is when you're in those seasons of, you know, preparation and preparing for, you know, the, the bigger moments, the moments that everyone sees, and you're in those everyday moments that may seem insignificant, you know, and you're like, oh, this, this season doesn't really matter. Like these moments don't really matter. 
But those are the moments that do matter the most because those are the moments where you're laying the foundation. Those are the moments where you're discovering who you are. Those are the moments where you're really, you know, establishing what you believe and you're, you're, you're making sure you're rooted and grounded in that. And so for me on a show like The Bachelor, when there were so many opinions, when there were so many voices, when there was so much going on around me and it would have been so easy to give into competition and comparison and find myself, you know, coming from this place of lack, just constantly looking for validation, constantly hoping for acceptance. Instead, I got to step into this environment and just let God's light shine. And I got to just be myself and I got to just let the spirit lead. And instead of coming from lack, I got to come from this place of abundance and let God's love, let God's joy, let God's confidence just overflow out of me. And so that's what I want to encourage so many people with, because I see so many people, I even saw some of the girls on the show, even some of the people on the show coming from this place of lack, changing themselves to be loved and accepted, you know, giving into that comparison. How come she has this? And I don't, how come she got the rose? And I don't, that must mean she's worthy and I'm not. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like he doesn't get to determine your worth. You're worthy all by yourself because God calls you worthy. And I got to just speak truth and speak life over the girls and just remind them like your validation is not in this rose. Your validation is not in being chosen by the bachelor. Like you are already validated. You are already secure. You already belong. And your heavenly father loves you and chooses you already. And so I got to just encourage them with that. But I was able to do that because I believe that for myself. And I already knew that I belonged. I already was secure in who I was. I knew what I believed and I was firm in that. And so I was able to remain so confident and so calm, you know, throughout that time and throughout that season of recording the bachelor, because I knew where my confidence came from. And I knew what the source was. I knew that I was a part of something so much bigger than me. I knew it wasn't about me. I did not worry about, you know, I had to make myself not worry because our flesh always is going to worry, but I had to make myself, you know, choose to not worry. Okay. I don't care what other people think. Like, I don't care how they view me, what they say about me, what their opinions are, if they accept me or reject me because I know who I am and I know who I belong to. And so when you come from that place, I've, I have found when you come from that place of abundance and confidence and security it's not so hard to reject comparison because you're so confident in who you are and who God's called you to be. And so when you're so focused on that and you're so focused on what Christ has for you and what God has called you to do, then you're not so worried about what's going on around you. So I want to camp out on this concept of like worth and validation, a really big Christian buzzwords, but we're, we got to see it like played out in spades. So for those that don't watch the show or maybe didn't catch your season, I think I am, um, I'm reticent about the portrayal of Christians when it comes to reality TV, cause they're portrayed as so dorky and like, so <laughs> just weird, like yeah. so weird. And I thought that they, honestly, I would say, I don't know how you felt, but I think that they portrayed I'm not sure you give them a whole lot of like reality TV material. Like you didn't lose your trash. You didn't go crazy. You know, any of that stuff. But, um, I think that they portrayed you really well. I thought you were a great representation of Christ, but here's where the rubber met the road. You are, um, one of the final contestants in the bachelor and it's the fantasy fantasy sweet nights that's approaching. And you tell the bachelor at this point, there's only four girls, right? Three girls three girls. Mm -hmm. There's only three girls. And you removed yourself from the competition because of the fantasy suite situation. For those that didn't watch the season, like in a, in a nutshell, in a bullet point, what was that decision like for you? Have you heard about the dwell Bible app? 
Their mission is inspired by the psalmist who admonishes us in Psalm 119 to hide God's word in our hearts. Dwell has built the most beautiful listening and reading experience for the scriptures. They have over a dozen new recordings from the Bible. They've handpicked voices that will engage and inspire you. And they have the best versions of the Bible too, like ESV, NIV, KJV, NLT, and all the other letters. One of the coolest things about Dwell is they have a read-along experience. If you've ever seen Apple's music lyrics feature, then that's exactly what you can expect in the read-along at Dwell. Gorgeous backgrounds, big, bold text that scrolls as the narrator reads to you. I'm telling you, you need to try Dwell. You're going to love it. You can go to dwellapp.io backslash we're going there to get 10% off a yearly subscription or 33% off Dwell for life. You know, one thing that I always try and encourage people because this was what was going through in my mind when I was on the show is don't settle know who you are and refuse to settle, keep your standards high and keep your roots deep. And for me, that was something that I have believed to my core, no matter what environment I'm in. So even though I was on something like the bachelor, there were so many voices in my head saying like, that's not a big deal. It's okay. You shouldn't worry about that. This is normal. This is okay. Like he still wants you. He still chooses you. Even though this happened, like for me, it was like, it's not about that. Cause I know what I'm worth and I know what I want and I know what I deserve. And so if my standards are up here, I don't care that I'm on a reality TV show and everyone else says that this is okay. I'm not going to lower my standards for anyone or anything. And so for me, it was just continuing to remember that I am a daughter of the King. I deserve to be treated and loved and respected in that way. And, you know, of course, like a lot of people would argue like, well, you knew what you were signing up for. You knew you were going to the show. You knew that was a part of it. And yes, that might be true. Like, of course, to an extent, you know, that that's a part of it, but even though that's a part of the show at the end of the day, if the show is truly all about love, I know what true love means to me because I know what it's rooted Mm -hmm. in. And for me, that doesn't mean I have to bend what the world says love is, which is physical, exploring your physical relationship, being okay with the person that is the bachelor, also exploring other physical relationships with other people. Like that may be what the world says Mm -hmm. is okay, but that's not what my God says is okay. And that's not what my standards say. And so for that reason, you know, I made that known of, Hey, like you can do whatever you want. I'm not telling you what to do. You're a big boy. You're 28 years old. You're a man. You can make these decisions for yourself. At the end of the day, you have to choose and you have to choose what you want and what's best for you. And I'll let you make that choice, but I need you to know this is where I stand. And this is how I feel about this. And this is what I'm okay with and what I'm not okay with. And, you know, I wasn't ashamed of saying that because I was so confident in who I was. I knew there was going to be a lot of people who were going to disagree with it, judge it, hate it, whatever. But at the end of the day, I was like, listen, this is who I am. This is what I believe in. And I believe like, if you truly love someone and you want to do it the right way and the God honoring way, like this is something you can be willing to walk away from and sacrifice in order to get ultimately what is God's best. And so, you know, I just try to convey that and communicate that obviously in a way that isn't judgmental or isn't condescending or isn't you know, giving an ultimatum of you have to do this or you have to do that, but rather this is just where I'm at. This is just who I am. This is just what I believe. The rest is up to you. And so I tried to do that. And ultimately it led to me, you know, choosing to walk away. Uh, I think it was like two days before engagement. So I left the show and it ended up weirdly coming back around. And then it's Peter and I again at the finale. And then ultimately it came back to the same decision of like, we're just not on the same page. 
Um, but yeah, I just would encourage anyone because even though, yeah, you're not on a reality TV show, you're not dating, you know, a guy who's also dating maybe three or four other women, at least I hope not. Um, you know, we all still face, like you mentioned earlier, temptations and pressures, and we're always going to feel that pressure inside to, okay, do I just, do I just lower my standards a little bit? Because like, maybe like, it's okay if I just like silence that part, because like, he kind of meets this requirement. So like, it's fine. Like, I'll just, I'll just lower this part. It's not that big of a deal, or I'll just change myself or change my convictions to just be whatever he wants or whatever he needs. And I see that happen so many times. And I'm just, I'm so passionate about it because I'm like, no, you actually can just be all that God's called you to be and just wait for God's best. And it's going to be so beautiful and so rewarding and so worth the wait. And you can choose to live a life of holiness and purity, and you can choose to have high standards and have deep roots. Like you can choose to do that. And it's not weird. It's, it's great. <laughs> okay. So as we wrap up this episode, I mean, I just have to know. So, um, if the bachelor empire reaches out and says, Hey, would you be the bachelorette knowing what you know now, having gone through what you've gone through, would you say yes? So I have been asked to go back on the show a couple of times. Um, for I bachelor in paradise or bachelorette. Um, well, I respectfully declined. I was like, listen, guys, I'm, I was like, I'm okay. And, you know, for me, it just, it's one of those things that I feel like kind of to what we were talking about at the very beginning, you know, I feel like when God calls you to do something and you have a piece about it, like you got to go with that. Even if it, yeah. even if it doesn't make sense, even if it's outside of the box, like you got to trust that and God's going to blow it up. He's going to do something amazing and huge with it, but it's not even going to be for you. It's going to be for the betterment and for the glorification of his name. And for me, that was me saying yes to going on the bachelor, but anything outside of that, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like, I don't really feel, I don't really feel like he's saying like, yeah, Maddie, like, this is what I have for you is like a future in like the bachelor franchise. I do feel like for that season of my life, like that was where he was leading me. And you know, like if he were to speak to me again, I'd be like, you sure? But like, okay, Lord, you know, but that's just not what he's speaking right now. So I mean, right now, you know, I'm just, so then, okay. So let's speak about the right now. Have you found Mr. Forever or Mr. Right now? (laughs) I have not found either. Honestly. Um, I am honestly just enjoying this season of life right now. Like my book just came out and that has been honestly, like my relationship, to be quite honest, that has been my baby, my relationship, my world that has been all my time, energy and attention. Um, but I mean, I'm ready. I'm ready for a relationship. Are you single, ready to mingle? I'm single. I'm ready to mingle. Okay. So something you don't know about me, but the podcast family and my church family all know this about me is that I am a Yenta at heart. I found (laughs) out that I'm 1% Jew. So I'm Jewish and my calling in life is to be a matchmaker. So when you are ready, come see me. Um, okay. Side note. Do you, you, do you like professional athletes? Um, my last boyfriend was a professional athlete. Do you know Cody Hollister? He played for the Patriots. He lives in Nashville. He is passionately in love with the Lord. He's six, five. He has a twin. His (laughs) twin plays, I think for Seattle Seahawks. I'm not too sure. Um, he lives in Nashville right now. I'm almost sure he plays for what's the football team in Nashville. I think it's the Titans. Um, so he yes, plays, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he plays for the Tennessee Titans. He loves the Lord. I spoke at, um, a, an NFL conference and I have it for Christians and he happened to be there and I happened to meet him. And I have been trying to get this guy 
like a God-fearing woman. And you know, there's a lot of Tatiana's out there that are trying to like, oh, girl, listen, you. I know, I know. <laughs> and listen, from dating a professional athlete, listen, it's a calling. I will say that it is a calling, but I I'm open. You know, I was in the NBA world. I'd be fine of jumping around to the <laughs> Yes. Yes. And then you guys would have the most athletically beautiful babies on the face of the earth. Move over Giselle. Maddie's here. (laughs) So yeah, girl, you just, you just hook a sister up whenever you feel like it's right. You just like, you just tell slide in the DMS. You know know what? what You know, okay. So podcast listeners, I'm going to put a a caveat at the end of this, (laughs) at the end of this recording. And I'm going to text Cody right now. Yo, go hit up Maddie. And then like, no harm, no foul. If he's not your flavor, it's all good. But he loves the Lord. He has a job. He flosses his teeth. He (laughs) like puts scriptures in the gram. Like I I love Cody. I love Cody. And he's legit real deal. So anyway, um, Maddie, I can't wait for people to find out more about not just your book, but about you and what God's calling you to. I do know that there's a preacher and teacher inside of you. It's bachelor nation or not like that is in you. I, I, I speak to that. I see it. I call it out and say, continue to move forward. Thank you for your time. I so appreciate you. And, um, if you get married to Cody, then I'm going to be, I'm going to be the flower girl twirling down the aisle. I was like, are you officiating? Are you a bride? I'll do it all, baby. I'll do it all. I'll I'll pour the champagne. I'll be the flower girl and I'll be the officiant. Okay. (laughs) Yes, girl. Yes, girl. I fully hand the reins over to you. It's all you. Maddie, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. And congrats on your beautiful baby. Thank you so, so much. Friends, for those that want information on Keeping Up With Maddie, you can find out her social media, her books, and ways to stay connected all in the show notes of this podcast. As always, I love letting our guests know the impact that they're having. And so it would mean the world to me and the world to Maddie to get a love note online. You could tag her at Maddie Pruitt and at Bianca Oltoff and let us know what you're learning. And if you think this podcast would be good for someone else to listen to, don't hesitate in sharing it, leaving a positive review, or rating us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We appreciate you and can't wait to chat next week.